everyone. Let's get these alerts off. It's one of the pet peeves I have with Zoom. But anywho, good evening, everyone. It is Triumph Tuesday. This is Carol Sue, a.k.a. Naughty Boss, live with two sisters. Hey, good evening, everyone. Triumph Tuesday, February 28th, the last day of the month. And of course, on this Triumph Tuesday at night, um, I'm freezing my ass off. But you know, hey, that's New England for you. We had our first significant snowfall, probably just about six inches this morning. It looks like, you know, maybe six plus, but I'm thinking eh, right at six inches. And Gary said it was a uh, pretty like uh sloshy like very um little on the heavier side but you know <laughs> he does really good with the um the uh snow blower and the snow removal so you know everything went you know was very fine and uh of course he tried taking the the monster out and had his little uh boot booties and that did not work out too well so no i would imagine that it did not because let's face it uh you know the monster has a mind of his own and he's tiny and going out in the cold is not one of his shiny moments, let's just say. And yeah. I don't think, you know, I, I did know, I did receive a lot of video and pictures from the grandkids playing out in the snow, making snow angels. So they're excited. They're also excited because this is like the, the second, you know, what I say storm, like you said, it wasn't a very big storm. But it's the first significant snow, and not that it's a lot, but significant that it's measurable, which means that they can go sled riding and play in the snow. So what kid doesn't like that? And then to top it off, let's be real. Um, another storm, she said, is coming in Friday into Saturday. So it's kind of funny. It's kind of the eyes of March playing tricks on everybody. And that sometimes happens. You know, you 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 get a winter, a typical weather winter season, and it's not so typical where you don't, I mean, really, you've only had a few snow flurries here and there, mm -hmm. uh, a coating, but nothing measurable. So I'm glad for the kids that they, you know, get to do those fun outdoor activities that only winter can provide. Uh, mm -hmm. Me being in my sleeveless top, yeah, I am uh, not missing the style, although I do enjoy the pictures. And the one thing I do love about the winter is that really fresh, you know, blanket of snow. It, it, it uh, you know, my uh, mother-in-law actually did a, wrote a poem uh, and she calls it, I think it's frosting cake and or the frosting or something like that. And it has to do with, you know, it, it looks like frosting, that, that pure, Mm -hmm. uh, but for me, after like two or three days, then it turns to yuck and browned and dirty. And that's the part of winter I don't like. And then, of course, when you're talking about, as you said, it's slushy, you get to those times where sometimes the temperature drops. So all the slush gets hard and then, you know, creates uh, very dangerous situations for a lot of people, you know, slippery conditions. And if you don't have good footing, you could really injure yourself. So that's the part of winter I dislike, but I do, I have been enjoying, I'm not gonna lie, I have been enjoying seeing the grandkids have fun, getting outdoors, getting that fresh air in. I just hope that, you know, March is kind. 
from a from a accumulation perspective. Well, you know what they say, beware the Ides of March. And that that's right around right before technically um St. Patty's Day, which is on a Friday. So that, that Thursday. But you know, <laughs> we went upstairs yesterday, like after I was kind of done with my day in the office, and it was beautiful out. Like we're like, okay, is it really gonna snow? You know, is this all hype? You know, what's going on? And you know, as the evening went on, and then around uh 10 10 15 when gary went to check the fires and he comes running back it's snowing it's snowing we always used to um you know um when dad was looking with us you know we would all the three of us you know turn off the lights go in the um in the living room there upstairs and you know it's just so beautiful to watch the snow coming down and uh, so we sat sat in the living room for a couple of minutes and watched it and you know I looked over at the fire and I'm like oh I can see the flames you know daddy liked to see the flames in the fire and uh just brought, brought back so many great memories of course oh yeah I mean uh, that's a, the cool thing about the winter season just like any season I mean you associate it with a fond memory whether it's a holiday whether it's the weather whether it's that kind of curl up on the couch weather you know enjoying a good fire so those are all the blessings. And a lot of people, though, have to really triumph over their mindset during the winter months. Mm -hmm. And that is one of the other downsides to it because it's you do have a lot of those gray, gloomy, unproductive, curl up on the couch weather. And it's sometimes it's detrimental to your push, detrimental to your uh, passion to get moving, to push forward, you know, to get motivated. I mean, how many times you say, uh, you kind of dread it. So uh, I relate to that when, you know, we have those frequent or not infrequent, I should say, rainstorms that if we get that kind of cool, damp, cloudy, gloomy day, it instantly brings me back to a New England winter, you know, and it really, it, it plays havoc on your mind because you, you're still, you know, you're still, your day is going. You, you still have a lot to accomplish, right? Whether it's, you know, within the home, whether it's your job, whether it's your children, uh, things that you may be projects that you're working on. And when you do not feel energetic, when you do not feel that that's really that fire within you, because you're just bouncing and excited because it's, you know, a sunny day and you feel good and you feel warm and, you know, the brightness just inspires you uh, from a, another perspective of, of your mindset. So it is difficult. That's one of the other pieces I do not miss about New England weather is that gloomy, damp, cold, raw, unproductive, gloom and doom day. And so how do you combat that, especially on a Triumph Tuesday? I always tell people, turn some lights on. You know, it's, it's you're lacking in light because that it's gloomy out and cloudy out. You know, the clouds are blocking the natural sunlight to come in. So you got to create your own sunshine. You got to work for it. You got to push for it. And one of the ways is I always tell people, put some lights on. Then on top of that, really try your best to not get sucked into Netflix, 
you know, a miniseries, you know, a uh, drama show or even a game show, whatever it may be, and really try to put on music that inspires you to get excited, that makes you happy, that, you know, there's so many good motivational type songs out there. I'm going to give an old fashioned one, you know, the old fashioned Rocky Balboa when he's running through the streets of Pennsylvania. And you, as soon as you hear those six, seven notes, you, you instantly like, you want to go out and work out. So you have to decide that, you know, I'm not going to succumb to the, to the gloominess. I'm going to be my own force of sunshine and figure it out. And sometimes it takes a push and it has to come from your mindset because if it doesn't come from your mindset, you're really going to struggle. So your mindset's key on those games, don't you think? Oh, definitely. Minds, the mindset really is the almost like the ignition key because you it's not one of those things that you really turn off, but you can certainly um turn it on, right? Room, room, room. Yeah. Yeah. Just no, I don't hear. Oh, now I hear it. Yes. The Rocky thing, and we do not own the rights to that song. Just saying, yes. yeah, um, you gotta, you gotta make sure that you de definitely say that. You yeah, it, so that was good. We, but it's true. Yeah, it's true. Just, when you, like I mean, like did that instantly put you in a good mood? Yeah, and you know what the other song that I love to do, and I was doing it in between things yesterday. And Gary happened to be walking by, and the the door was a little open. That song from Red Bo um Redbone. Hey, what's the matter? I don't know. There's something about the beat of that song and, you know, and you're just bebopping along and I'm just like. Yeah, in your own little groove. And, and that's a key piece is, you know, play something that really gets you into that bebop mood. You know, get something that resonates with you that you just want to jump out of your seat and start dancing. And that is the kind of thing that, you know, we have to be mindful of and say, you know what? I can't count on the weather's not helping me today, folks. I cannot do anything about the weather. Cannot do anything about old man winter. Cannot do anything about, you know, the doom and gloom look that's out there. So I've got to paint my own sunshine. And I have to accompany that with some good music. And there's so many avenues to get that good music from your devices, obviously. Uh, if you still have one of those that still has a record player, put on an old correctly record. I love the sound of that live music. It's just, it just sounds so good. As well as you got Amazon music. I mean, there's all these different things that you can do. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, and some of us still have CDs. If you got a CD player, pop on one of your favorite groups. That really, you know, maybe sparks some fun memories, uh, but also gets you moving. Right. Don't get those eight-track tapes. <laughs> Do you remember mommy's car, the um, Pacer called the, I used to call it the bubble and she had yeah. a um, eight track in there. Oh yeah. I mean, it was just, when I think about those big tapes and the big phones, I crack up, like, especially the phones. It was like, yeah. it was like a big radio. It was just it cracked me up and it was so big and it had its own little like suitcase to it or whatever. Container. Yeah. Yeah. You felt like you were 007. So <laughs> ghastly ugly <laughs> your mission should you choose to accept it you exactly. know I was, um and what show was that 
Um, oh, uh, Mission Impossible. Was it Charlie's Angels? No, no, Mission Impossible. Mission Impossible, that's right. Peter right. Graves, or I think was yeah, that. I, I, yeah, I think you're correct. I think it is Peter Graves. I think you're 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 right on there. And uh, for those of you that don't know that we are definitely dating ourselves, but those were good good fun shows. And um, you know, totally change of subject, totally change of subject right now. And it's only because we're talking about shows and movies and whatever sitcoms. I recently, actually, it was just the other night. And I thought it was, you know, the time you couldn't have been more perfect. Uh, Mike is visiting and he said, Mom, like, you know, there's this little mini series. I go, well, how many is the series? Because I, I get caught up in these series and they're like, like maybe three seasons, but there's like 24 episodes in each season or yeah. something. And I'm, I'm one of those, we'll watch it in a row. Yeah. Like, and I, you know, couldn't do that. He said, no, it's actually only three episodes. I go, that's it? I said, okay. He says, yeah, we could actually watch it in one night. It was the uh, new miniseries, and I don't know how new it is, so I shouldn't say new miniseries, because I, I don't I don't even know when it came out, to be honest with you. Uh, but it has to do with the Murdoch uh, murders. Oh, yeah, I've been watching that. that trial is currently going on. So it was weird, because we saw, last week I saw him, and I didn't really, you know, I didn't watch it, but I saw that he, was, he took the stand. Mm -hmm. And what I liked about the series was you got to really get into the mind of the, the four, I think it's maybe four, one, two, three, one, two, three, four survivors from the boat accident that occurred before the murders of the wife and the son. Mm -hmm. And the son who was murdered, who was Paul, was also at charge previously for, uh, I think it was vehicular homicide, possibly, I don't know exactly the charge, but he uh, had an issue with alcohol and he was riding a boat with his girlfriend who I guess he didn't treat very nicely. And she's one of the ones that they continually interview as well as another girl and her boyfriend. And then a boyfriend of the girl that once he hit the bridge the girl hit her head and then ended up drowning and took I, close to a week to find her. And, you know, to hear the, the boyfriend kind of relive it, because I want to say this happened maybe when they were around 16, 17 years old, and now they're like around 20. And, you know, this was, he said, there was no doubt in my mind, this would be the girl that I was going to marry. He, he absolutely loved her. He was so frustrated with his friend because they begged him. And they actually talk about his background. And his mindset, and he was obviously not into um, a very healthy lifestyle. He, he came from this very affluent family with a lot of money, the family business of a law firm. And they encouraged, and I don't want to say they encouraged, because I don't know, I wasn't there. But they allowed a lot of underage drinking, and uh, you know, this, this young man would kind of con his way you know, if you got into a situation where he was speeding or driving under the influence, he would call his dad or the grandfather, and they would basically own the town with connections of police and judges and all that stuff. So this kid, you know, sadly going through life, you know, his, his grandfather and father were a fixer for him. Well, comes to find out with this series, and they continually, you know, continually interviewing 
um, the, the boy, boy boyfriend who's left behind and the best friend. So there's three girls, but two of them were super close since kindergarten. And just you, you just see, you know, how their lives are forever changed and the struggle, you know, of really getting their lives back in order, uh, knowing that all this occurred. Um, you actually get to see live footage uh, at the time, footage, video footage of her last hours when they were on a dock and they went to some bar. Again, you know, fake IDs, the whole nine yards and the consequences of choices um, that they all kind of obviously regret the choices that they made and it was in their ability to change them. They knew what they were doing was wrong and yet no one put the brakes. No one triumphed over just saying, you know what? I don't care that he's gonna get pissed off, pissed off at me. I'm gonna say no. And they obviously very much regret uh, a lot of decisions that they made, but you could you know, just feel the pain and the sorrow of how they're going to really, and they're still struggling. They haven't triumphed over yet um, that, that hurdle of all these, all these emotions. But then the series continues to some other unresolved suspicious deaths, one being the Murdoff's housekeeper, later to find out, and I guess it came out in, actual, in the actual trial that's going on, that he had took out insurance policies or something or something to do with the, the uh, housekeeper. And they never, saw the, his, her children never saw a dime of this money, didn't even know about these policies. And he ended up getting all the money. Then there was another very suspicious uh, death on a street. I don't know if it was car related. Uh, it had something to do with somebody changing a tire. And then of course the big trial that's actually, you know, besides the Molly, I think her name was Molly. I don't remember her last name. Uh, her death, the boating accident. And then to find out that that son, Paul, is also one of the sons murdered along with the wife. And he's being, he's been charged, the, the husband. And mm -hmm. The one thing out of it, and like I said, it's not a typically long series, but the one thing that really resonated with me was the ex-girlfriend of Paul Murdoch. Uh, she was, um, she had tried several times to break up with him. He was abusive. Uh, he, he wasn't, you know, it's verbally, especially when he drank, they, they actually nicknamed him Tim uh, when he drank because he was like this totally different person. He was, you know, mean and vicious. And she had broken up with him seven times, several times. And you know, that that really that torture of the mindset of somebody that's being abused and, and always going back to, to that, that person. So they they taught they so they interviewed her quite a bit. And when it came time for uh, the police to investigate anyone that quote might have had a motive to to murder Paul, the son, they obviously interviewed the ex-girlfriend. And the friends, because obviously they had trauma with being his friend over obviously this bad boating accident, this uh, deathly boating accident. And she said, one of the things I told the police officer was don't rule out Alex Murdoff, the father. And, and, she, and, and, and through this whole series, you'll see many pictures of her parents being interviewed and pictures of her with Paul and the family and the dynamics. And she really gets into probably a piece of their, their lifestyle that 
the average person wouldn't really grasp, but they were part of that inner circle. Um, but they were not, you know, wealthy like this particular family, but from like, you know, 16, 17, 18 year old, well, actually probably 16, 17, maybe went from 14 to 16 perspective. Oh, you know, hanging out with the cool house and, you know, drinking with the parents, not a big deal, you know, going on all these lavish trips. So it, I found it interesting that the ex-girlfriend, you know, even though she, and even after the boating accident, that's when she said, I want nothing to do with you anymore. But the, even with that, and even the boyfriend who lost that poor girlfriend, Mallory, they said he did not deserve to die. He did not deserve to be murdered. You know, were they, you know, still upset and really dealing with the, the loss of their, their friend and girlfriend? Absolutely. But they were so, they were so kind to the degree of, you know, we would never, he was my friend. I, I wouldn't wish him to be murdered. Was I angry with him? He kicked, you know, my, my girlfriend died, but I would never wish him harm. I wouldn't wish him. So, I mean, and it really showed how, how at even a young age of wherever they're at, 2021 20, age group, that they had the ability and the uh, tenacity to still learn to forgive, even in this piece of, really traumatic experience that is forever changed all of their lives. So you can imagine the triumphing over kind of getting getting over those those the tug of war feelings within not only your heart but your your head. Well yeah I mean that that's quite a a very sensationalized case and you know uh, working in the legal field for as long as I have and, and working on some pretty heavy cases I was intrigued by watching it and saw his <laughs> witness his cross-examination and and I was just writing down some notes and you know I really thought to myself first of all what a tragedy on all counts it's just horrendous absolutely horrendous um you have to wonder there's so much I can say, and I want to say it in a delicate kind of way. Sure. Once you start the process where he was in that time frame on the night where <laughs> things transpired, when he started the lying process, that didn't stop. And what I wrote down in my notes, and which was kind of weird, because then I saw happened to see Nancy Grace, and she's she's an expert on this stuff, and she was giving her analysis, and she pointed out some things that I had written down. And I'm not going to go into all that. You just have to wonder where, and again, presumption of innocence until you're proven guilty. You know, I, I support that, but you have to wonder <coughs> why. And a lot of the why is based on everything that this father is currently going through, but the lying didn't stop. And, you know, I really could talk on and on about this, but I'm not going to, but it, it really goes to show you that in... <sighs> out of such an enormous tragedy for 
the other son. And I want to say his name's Buster, or that's it his is. name. It is Buster. to be in the courtroom and listen to all this and to see the evidence, to hear the evidence. Um, it just kind of breaks my heart for, for him and, you know, the rest of their family. I <laughs> don't understand the whole dynamics of the, their family. I know that they're like for, for I want to say at least a hundred years from what I recall when I was listening to some of the testimony that they're obviously very influential family, yes. well known all over the place. Um you you can't you can't run away from something like that. No, and the interesting piece was he, you know, obviously from what people have learned he had a drug addiction he was taking oxycodone i was gonna say oxycodone oxy i think that the same i don't know the oxy drug and what i found interesting enough about buster and the father because part of the netflix series does have because there is public record when you talk to someone that's in prison, in jail, they automatically say, as soon as that, that phone call starts, that this, this call is being recorded. So they knew they were being recorded. And the, I'm trying to think of the right phrase, really nonchalant conversations about some serious things. One of them being apparently Buster and someone else went to Vegas to do some gambling. And he was, somebody took a picture of him. So it was out in public. So he's telling his dad, yeah, you know, I went, went to Vegas with whoever it was and we were gambling. And I guess I'm well known because, you know, they were saying I was using, you know, funds from the, you know, corporation or the law firm spending it on gambling, which that's what he was doing. And the, the interaction between, and then he, re, he references his mother and brother's death because now the, the father is asking questions from, you know, are they, you know, what are you hearing in the news? Blah, 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 blah. And so he, he the son Buster makes a few statements regarding that but he refers to the murders of his mother and brother as the homicides. It, it was very, very strange to me to hear a son talking to possibly the person that murdered your mom and your brother, who happens to be your, your, your father, and you refer to them as the homicides. So I thought that was odd. The other odd piece is that Alex Murdoch is kind of bragging about how he's gambling in prison and he won, you know, three extra bowls of soup, you know, seven things of bacon, you know, two pieces of bread, whatever. So he, the winnings are, are food. But it's like just very, it's like, a, it's like a natural nonchalant conversation. Like, you know, hey, it's not really, I'm not really, this isn't really happening. 
and from a system that really per, per, perpetuated his abuse of the law to, for beneficial gains to protect his son and or business or money, because they're talking about a lot of you know, possible millions of, I don't even know how many millions, could be billions for all I know, of possible indiscretions with the law firm's money. Everything was very nonchalant. It was very strange. And the last piece to it, and I, you know, I was, I was debating whether I was going to share that or not, but I had to because it was, it'll just show you again the mindset that he's really narcissistic is the only word that comes to mind. He, the last question you hear on this particular three episode series, he said, Hey, and I don't know if he calls him son or buster. Have you heard? Are they, uh, is there a Netflix, uh, you know, show or is there a Netflix series about us? And, th and that's how it ends. And, that, and I'm paraphrasing it. He doesn't say it exactly that way, but he, he does say, he asked the question, have you heard about some sort of Netflix series about us? That, that's what you're worried about, buddy? You're, 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 so it really gets you, gets you in his head to a certain degree. He knows he's being recorded because they, you know, every time he calls, he calls collect and he says his name and it, he hears exactly that his call is being recorded. And he just like, there's no remorse. There's no sadness. There's no, it's just very nonchalant. Like it's at a country club. Yeah, and in his in his part of his cross examination where he was getting very emotional, to a certain point he did not know that they had this video that uh he refers to a son that passed as Papa, that there was a video of clip of about three to five minutes on Papa's phone that puts him at the murder scene. Correct. And of course he lied again, but then he had a lie to say, yes, he lied. Yes. Yep. And then he said, the word that I picked up on and I stopped like what I was doing and I'm like really looking at it. I and I'm paraphrasing this to a certain point, but this one word stood out. I would never intentionally hurt my wife and son. Right. And it was later revealed today from a forensic because uh, we were actually went out to dinner and uh, they were actually giving highlights because there were six witnesses today in the actual live trial. One of them being um, his partner, a friend, uh, they talked about the money piece to it and, you know, their dismay over what he, what he has done. But a forensic, because they, there is video also of, I believe, in the Netflix series where this reporter actually takes a uh, drone and flies it over when the FBI are, are, are there and it stays around after the FBI had left. And you see, I believe it's the son buster and the father removing weapons a lot of weapons because he had a big gun, gun collection 
But in today's court, uh, court hearings, a forensic evidence, uh, uh, forensic specialist said that the bullet to the wife uh, entered, it did not directly hit her head. It actually went, I think, believe into her, was her shoulder and then must have ricocheted to the head. And I thought to myself, they're like expert marksmen, basically, ba based on the information that we've seen in the rifle collections. And they, you know, they, they even in, in the Netflix series, they show actual tons of video of them, you know, like, like um, hunting and all those kinds of things. And so then it makes you wonder, um, because they also said something about that the wife was running or, you know, because it comes from behind. So, you know, was the person running too? And that's why the shot is so not what you expect from someone that is an expert marksman. I, I don't know. Hmm. Yeah. Just more, you know, leaves you with more questions than not. And, you know, being that it's Triumph Tuesday, you know, how do you, you know, for those that have been watching it, and I, like I said, I have not watched any of it. I only watched the series and then said, oh my God, this trial's going on right now. And Mike goes, yeah. I said, yeah, I saw him briefly on the stand. I go, he looks like, a, you know, sounds like a weasel, whatever. But I got into what I loved about the series was the fact that it did get you into the mindset of all these victims, you know, this carnage of victims that have been left behind from all these different things. And when you think about it, all these mysterious deaths, you've got the housekeeper, you got the guy that was on the street, um, you have, um, you know, the, the poor girl in the boating accident, and then you have the mother and the son who's accused of, you know, was charged with driving under the influence of the boat that killed the friend. Like, you cannot get any more, you know, intertwined and but a really crazy intertwined than that. And, and then you think about it, you say, well, what is the common denominator? So, you know, it's, it's, I don't know. It's just, and, and, and how do you, like, again, I talked about that triumphing over these, these feelings. I, I feel so badly for those, those teenagers, 16 years old, and now they're, you know, now really almost legal age and what they've been through. So I continue to, to, to pray for them. Uh, Buster, you know, I, I, I think he's so, you know, in denial of it, of his possible dealings that his father was. And, you know, he's old, like, how do you, how do you kind of, it's almost like you have someone that's been kidnapped and has been brainwashed by some, you know, mind specialist, you know, evildoer. And, you know, they talk about, you know, there's so many major cases where supposedly someone was kidnapped and they were mind manipulated and whatnot. It almost seems like that's him, but it's not really the mind control and the ass, just the way he was brought up. Like that's all he knows by everything that his, his dad did and told him to do or what not to do or whatever. And that, that constant knowledge of knowing that you're almost uh, untouchable because of the position that your grandfather and your father had. Um, they did say, the other thing that they talk about in Netflix was that there seemed to be 
evidence leaning towards that the wife was going to leave him. She questioned a lot of things going on with the finances and where you know, this money, big money comes in and it goes out, like what's going on. And that there were some issues there. So, I, you know, you, you couldn't made a more perfect real life drama for, for a major movie. It, it's beyond bizarre. It is very bizarre very bizarre and it leads you to wonder what the next phase will go will be which you know probably within a week if they're starting closing arguments tomorrow um you know possibly to the jury by friday like who knows and what what would your because obviously you've got that legal background what would your prediction be well, based on what you, you know, what you watched, uh, and I encourage you uh, to watch that Netflix series because it does bring a, a different mindset of getting into his head through the mindset of those that were actually impacted devastatingly from that family and him. Here's my thought process on what transpired that may and you'll probably know by what I say, what I think is might happen. He was so deep, because let's face it, you cannot hide from stealing money from your client's funds. $10,000 goes in, $10,000 should come out. It shouldn't be 10,000 goes in and 50,000 goes out. Now I'm just using those arbitrary, those numbers very arbitrarily. Right get caught he was so deep it's, it was confirmed all these different withdrawals that he did from different clients funds accounts plus um you know uh, uh, one of his clients who was a paraplegic um how he took money from like he took it from all over the place so now he has this alleged um drug addiction well, he stated that, you know, it's fact. That part isn't alleged. That's, that's a fact. So he's he's in deep in so many different areas. He has a couple different life insurance policies on the wife worth millions of dollars. You can't run away from it. I think, um, I think there's a real good possibility that he will be definitely in jail jail for quite a while. I think he was possibly very high when this information, when the tragedy occurred. Um, personally, <laughs> I think he's guilty as hell. And I think in some respects, it goes back to what he say, I would never intentionally and maybe too, but based on what you're saying, you know, the pressure of maybe he felt the heat that like the walls were closing in on people finding out that he had, you know, embezzled all the, these different funds. And, you know, if he got rid of the wife um, and collected the money, he could kind of, you know, funnel the money back in. You, you just don't know. I mean, you, you don't know. Um, but I, I found him not to be credible from the little snippets I saw. But it even wasn't like I said, the snippets that I saw of him or even followed the case, because I haven't, I've only seen little pieces of it. 
the Netflix series really just now because of what I you know heard and how I really saw these children you know and they were children when it happened you know 16 17 year olds they're babies they've got their whole lives ahead of them uh, not only that but to to listen to the perspective of their parents and how he he really even when the boating accident occurred he tried to like take control like oh all these kids are my clients and you know you have to talk to me you know I was talking to the police the the uh, hospital staff and at one point you know one of the parents said you just got the feeling that he wasn't even concerned that Mallory was missing because at that point they had found her he was more concerned that and he actually, they actually manipulated it to the degree that you weren't quite sure whether Paul was behind uh, the boating wheel. Obviously, all the kids know he was, but he actually tried to manipulate the parents to, to, to make them believe that their, their son was behind the wheel. And then forensic evidence proved that there's no way he could because his jaw was lacerated. Uh, he had some severe injuries by the way that he was projected from the boat to, to where he hit in the boat. Um, the boyfriend was thrown over. His girlfriend was thrown over. He got up, you know, and survived. And he kept going diving in for the, the girlfriend. It's just to hear the reenactment is just horrific. But the forensic evidence really pointed out that the other boyfriend, um, you know, there was no way he was driving the the uh, boat. So when you hear, like I said, that side of it, of people that were very much connected to this family, and they give you such an insight of what went on with this family and the father and especially the son, you know, it, you know, now it, I kind of want to watch the trial now. Of course, it's at the end. But I have a clear, even without watching all what he did, just getting some highlights of all the lies that he told. But their perspective was, to me, was more impactful than anything that I saw in the little tidbits or highlights of the uh, trial. So I encourage everyone, if you have not seen it, and that those are like those, you know, a lot of people like those real life dramas. Here you go. Here's it, it is a devastating one. But I would say that the Netflix series really did an excellent job with interviewing these kids. And, you know, you really just, you can't help but once it's over to, you know, imagine if that was your child, you know, being a teenager and, and, and the last four years of this turmoil and heartache, you know, it, how they will really hopefully heal at some point in their lives. and. You know, it's just very sad. Very sad on all accounts. And on that note, <laughs> you know, of course, we will be back um, tomorrow morning for Wealth Wellness Wednesday. We need to come up with a question of the day or maybe well, a combination one for and do it tomorrow morning. Well, no, I think we got a question of the day that we could certainly do. Uh, you know, obviously we, you know, we we're, we're talking about trying to triumph over these kind of mixed emotions of this, you know, real life drama of, of devastation. You know, my question of the day would be, 
Do you think he did it? Wow. Yes, I do. Yeah, yeah. And like I said, I have not watched the trial. I do believe, you know, like we all say, innocent until proven guilty. Right. For sure. But I would not, I would be surprised if he was found not guilty, put it that way. And folks, it's beyond a reasonable doubt. Although I think the prosecutor, uh, oh, he was definitely a pit bull, but I think he was um, lagging a little bit on some of his follow-up questions on what, from the responses that Murdaugh was offering. But on that note, in any event, you know, we'll, we'll keep our tabs on this one and we will certainly um, at some point give our perspective and thoughts on when the jury, um, renders its verdict um, on this Triumph Tuesday. So the question of the evening is, do you think he did it? You can go to our website, www.2sistas.online, leave us a voice message or send us in one of those contact forms. Um, you can also um, follow us on, of course, we are on Pinterest, we are on Twitter and Gosh. YouTube, uh, and on YouTube, of course, I um, post the question of the day. Although I'll be processing this um, tomorrow morning, but you can also leave us a comment directly uh, when I do the um, on the comments when I do the posts on YouTube. And on that note, my name is Janice, aka Wellness Diva 5.0, and I'm with two sisters, and this is Carol Sue, aka Naughty Boss, on this Triumph Tuesday. Still trying to wrap my head around this whole horrific real life drama, but you know, prayers to to all that are impacted. Prayers to that community. Um, you know how, how devastating that must be for that whole entire community, and hopefully, a healing process once this trial is over, let the healing hopefully truly begin for those impacted. With that, we will see you tomorrow, like Jan said, for Wealth Wellness Wednesday. I promise you we'll be a little bit more upbeat with some, some, some good stuff going on because that's one of our favorite days of the week. But with that, we will see you tomorrow. Take care, everyone. Bye-bye. Bye for now.